0: We're in a series titled Born and Raised, and born and raised, born again and raised. And we're looking in the book of Colossians and uh, the Apostle Paul is talking to us through this letter about what it means to be born again, what our lives should look like if we are born again. And, uh, you know, today's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And and, uh, we hope you have a great day, great day today. You know, I thought that it would be kind of cool for uh, something to do different, you know, for Mother's Day. I was thinking about uh, camping. I like to camp. Uh, When I was growing up, we camped a lot. I like uh, uh, you know, to go out and I, and, and I like tent camping, you know, I mean, not, that's, that's real camping. Okay, so, you know, nowadays you got all these fifth wheels and motor homes and that, that's like taking your living room and moving it to a different place. You know, and, and so, in, in my book. Okay, so anyway, I like that real camping. I like to wake up in the morning, you're in the tent, you know, and, and, and uh, it gets real exciting if it rains really hard at night and you're in the tent. And, and uh, you know, one time I was camping with my family, a tent floats away, you know, all that stuff. And, and uh, it's, it's a good time though. And, and so, I thought, man, that would be a great thing. And so, maybe for Mother's Day, for Nancy, I could say like, you know, because see, you see, it stirs up feelings inside of me. It stirs up really good feelings when I think about, I can close my eyes and just imagine the smell of those eggs frying in the morning outside on the Coleman stove and all that. And I'm like, well, you know, that's like a really cool thing. So maybe for Mother's Day, maybe Nancy and I, well, go camping, but you you see it stirs up feelings in her too. It, it makes her sick. <laughs> okay, uh, this whole idea uh, about about going camping is not her uh, cup of tea. And, uh, and, you know, really when you think about it, when you, uh, I wonder sometimes like, okay, well, people like to go camping and, and I understand if you got a, and I'm not picking on you if you got like a travel trailer, but we used to have a travel trailer, you know, motor home or something like that. But, you know, I wonder why, sometimes I wonder why, you know, camping is like it's different. You leave your house and you go do something different. But, you know, you take your TV and your VCR and your microwave and all that stuff. It's like, I think I know why, though. I think it's just, it's just comfortable. You know, it's comfortable. But, but you know what happens is you miss the excitement of the different, of this new thing when you do that. And, you know, the segue is this. Our Christian lives are a lot like that. Because very often in our Christian lives, we like to be comfortable, and we never experience the excitement in the, all that God has for us because we just move our, sort of move our old comfortable life into our Christian lives. And, and so we never really experience the excitement and adventure of our new lives in Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to continue in the book of Colossians. Remember last week we were talking about Putting off things out of our lives. If you were here, if you're not, go watch it online. But, but uh, we were talking about as believers, when we become followers of Jesus, we become Christians, that there are things that, that we need to remove from our lives. And we talked about those, those last week. And today, we're gonna to be talking about things that ought to be part of our lives. What should your life look like now that you're a believer? You know, what should characterize your life? And so, what I want you to do as I go through this today, we're gonna to be real practical, right? So, what I want you to do is as I'm going through the day, this, because there's a list of things, and as I go through it, I want you to think about yourself. I want you to just think about your life. I want you to ask yourself, how am I doing in this, on this one? All right, and, and think about this, because this is what a Christian should look like. So you wanna make sure your, your life is good in all these areas. And then if you find an area where you need a little work, you know, pray and ask God to help you in that area. But just kinda, so ask yourself those questions as we go through all, all of this. Now remember, this letter that we're looking at was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young church in a city called Colossa in the Roman Empire. And, and Colossa was um, a, a place where Christianity was brand new. I mean, literally, Christianity was new. Every everywhere at the time. And um, this guy named Epaphras had gone to see the Apostle Paul, uh, about 100 miles away, preach. He came back, started a church. So he's a brand new Christian, the pastor. The church is full of brand new Christians. And so there were some things happening in the church and he needed a little help. So he asked Paul for some help. Paul sent this letter and says, I'll give you some help. And in this part of the letter, Paul's being very practical. He's talking to us about what it means to be a Christian, what it looks like to be a Christian. And so, uh, I'm going to read to you the whole passage from last week and this week, and then we're just going to focus on the second half. But I want you to, to be reminded, these are some of the things we need to put off from our old way of life if we're a Christian, and then today we'll talk about those things we need to put on. Colossians chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles with you, the words will be on the screen. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Paul is talking to these, no, he's talking to believers, people who've put their faith and trust in Christ. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, in other words, you've put your faith and trust in Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, in other words, you've died to your old way of life, you're you're now a, a Christian, and your life is hidden now with Christ in God. And then he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now he says, these are the things you ought to put to death in your life. These shouldn't be a part of a Christian's life. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly to you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And then he says, remember now you used to walk in these things and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. And then he mentions some other things, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. And he says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And then he says that in the Christian life, there is not a Greek or a Jew. There's no circumcised and uncircumcised. There's no barbarian or Scythian. There's no slave and free. But Christ is all, and we'll talk about this in in a minute, and in all. He says, then put on then as God's chosen ones, and this is what you should put on. You, you, You should put on compassionate hearts, kindness, Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the the Father through Him. Now, that's a lot of stuff, uh, stuff you need to put off, stuff that you need to put on. So, let's talk about what we need to put on this morning. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter so many years ago to the Colossians in that church. And God, that that you have preserved it in your your scriptures for us today, and it applies to our lives as well. So help us to see how it applies to our lives. Help us to examine ourselves as we hear this to see how we're doing. And, uh, And if God, there's areas we need to work on, help us to work on those. Help us to live our lives in a way that bring you glory, advance your cause, advance your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Well, as we look at this, the first thing that we see, if we're going to put on a new life, it's going to require a few things. So, putting on a new life requires, number one that we see here, is that I see other people as God sees other people. I see other people as God sees them. Listen to verse 10 and 11. He says that having put on the new self, that's, now you're a Christian, right? Which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, And then he starts describing things. He goes, in this new life, okay, here, in this new life, this Christian life, there is not Greek and Jew. There is not circumcised and uncircumcised. There is not barbarian and Scythian or slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So when Paul says that, he's saying that when we put on a new life as a believer, it's going to require us to see other people and ourselves as God sees us. He's saying that in a believer's life, there is absolutely no, no room for anything like prejudice or partiality. Uh, Because in God's eyes, we're all the same. We're all created in the image of God. And uh, matter of fact, uh, he really covers the basis as he describes this because, and I'm going to go through this real quickly, but he he says there's no Greek or there's no Jew. Well, those were different ethnicities. So so he's saying in in there that that you should not discriminate against or be prejudiced towards people of a different race or a birthplace. Just because they're different than you, just because maybe their accent's a little different, their skin color's different, or they act a little bit different, they have different customs than you do, that is not a reason that we should, that we should act differently towards them, or be partial towards them, or be prejudiced towards them. There is absolutely no room in the kingdom of God for prejudice. When you become a believer and put your faith and trust in Jesus, you belong to a new nationality. It's called a Christian, and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and we should love each other. And that, and that's what he's, that's what he's saying, there's absolutely no room for that. Then he goes on, he says there's no room, to, you can't, don't, don't be distinguishing between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Now, there, there's, so basically he's talking about, it, it, it doesn't matter what religious background you come from, when you come to Christ, there's no difference, and, and because you know, the Jews, they, they, they believe, you know, you had to, the little boys had to be circumcised on the eighth day so that they would be, you know, that was a covenantal thing, so they brought into the covenant and into the family of God, and so Jews were coming into the church, and some. Of them were saying, you still had to do that. And other people were saying, no, you didn't have to do that. And he's going, that's not even part of the equation. When you come into Christ, those kind of things don't matter anymore. If there's going to be a circumcision, it's a circumcision of your heart. The sin's going to be removed and righteousness has come in. And so, so he's saying there that, that that doesn't matter. And then he says, no barbarian or Scythian. Well, there are, there's no educational or cultural differences. The Greeks considered anyone who was not a Greek to be a barbarian. They were smart, they, they, they were intellectual. And they said, anybody that's not a Greek, well, you're a barbarian. And the Scythians were the lowest of the low of the barbarians. And he's saying, it, 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 it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what cultural background you come from, that, that we're all on equal footing in the body of Christ. When we become believers, Christ followers, that all of us in God's eyes are just part of the family of God. So there's no difference there as there is, there is well. And then he goes on to say, there's no slave or free. There's no, in other words, he's he's removing here social classes and wealth and property. He's saying in the body of Christ, there is no room to look at someone else because they have more than you do or less than you do. There there is no cultural differences. There's no difference, uh, you know, on the socioeconomic scale. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in, what car you drive, how much money you have, none of that kind of stuff. In the body of Christ, we love each other because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That stuff has no place in the body of Christ, right? It does not have any place in the body of Christ. And uh, he says these kind of things have nothing to do with, with, with Christianity. They, they, all they do is cause disunity in the body of Christ. All they do is cause problems in the body of Christ. And you know, and, um, when God looks at you and me, you know, and, and we've, he looks at us and he sees people that are created in his image. And, and then when we put our faith and trust in him, he looks at us as his children, and so what we, that's all that he cares about. He wants us to have a relationship with him and he wants us to be called his children. And that's the way that he looks at us. He created every one of us on purpose. Every one of you were created exactly the way God wanted. Don't be mad at him. You know, you're going, well, he shouldn't have created me this way. Well, he created you exactly the way that you need to be. He created you on purpose and you're only alive because he wanted you to be alive and because he created you. Matter of fact, Psalm 139 says this, it says, your eyes, talking about God, your I saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You know, that, that God created all of us. Right now, we got the whole Roe versus Wade thing. We got a lot of stuff going on there. That verse right there says it all. You were created by God, and then you belong to God. And we need to understand that. As believers, we need to understand that God hasn't created one other person as a lesser being. Nobody's a lesser being, regardless of your race, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your social standing, regardless of the culture that you come from and you live in, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless if there's some kind of disability or, or a handicap that you have to deal with and live with in life, it does not matter that no one is a lesser being in the eyes of God. We're all created in God's image. You're created exactly the way God wanted you to be created. And we we need to understand that. So we need to see other people. If you're a Christian, here's the deal, if you're a believer, one of the responsibilities you have and a characteristic that ought that, ought to be present in your life is that you should see other people when you look at them the way God sees other people. That's the way and the way He sees you. You should see them that way. Another thing we need to do is change our conduct. In verses 12 through 14, it says, put on then, okay, we've put off, remember last week, all those other things, the anger, the malice, the slander, you know, the, un, the filthy, unwholesome talk, the sexual immorality, all those things we talked about last week, we've put those things out of our life, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, listen to this, compassionate hearts, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if, one another, if another person has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds these things together in perfect harmony. Notice that Paul's talking to believers. And he says, now listen, you are God's chosen You you have embraced Christ, you're part of the family of God, and so you're part of God's chosen. And you've taken off your old self with its practices and you put on the new self, and it means that, and he says you're holy. Well, holy means separate. It means to be set apart or different from the world. So now your life is different because you're a Christian, and it also says you're beloved. That means you're especially loved by God because you've embraced His Son, Jesus. And so, when when those things happen in your life, then um, there ought to be these qualities in your life that that ought to show up. And he he names them. And I'm just gonna go through the list and briefly talk about them. But he says, compassionate hearts, compassion. A, A Christian should be a compassionate person by nature. Uh, That means a deep feeling of concern for the needs of others. We should care about others. You know, we we put on the sign up here a little bit ago that we're doing a food drive next week, next Sunday, for the mission of Winter Haven. Every single person in this room ought to bring something for that food drive because we're helping people that are in need. We have compassion for people and we're reaching out to people that are less fortunate than ourselves. So, So that's what compassion. Then he says kindness. Now that's closely related to compassion it's it's a greek term it refers to the, that a grace that envelops the whole person sort of a mellowing of all that's harsh a kind person is concerned about his neighbor's good. He's concerned about other people. He's just nice. You, you guys know what it, kind, you all know kind people. There, all of us have somebody in our life or people in our life that we go, that's just a kind person, right? And we, we all know that kind of a person. And then also, he says, humility. We ought to have humble spirits, we ought to be characterized by humility. That's the quality that enables people to see yourselves as objects of God's divine grace, that you have no right to assert yourselves because of God's grace. You know, if you think about God's grace, it's an, you know, we sing about amazing grace. It is truly an amazing thing. You see, but that when we are sinners and that we have this stuff in our life that's not pleasing to God and we've never made God part of our life and then we just come to God and we pray and we're sincere and genuine. We ask him to forgive us of our sins and the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He doesn't do that because you deserve it or I deserve it. He does it just because he loves us. And even the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, so basically what this is saying here is it's saying that, that when we, we, we have this um, humility that we recognize that we were sinners and that the, the only reason that we are forgiven of our sins is because Christ died for us and he didn't have to do that. So when someone does something against us or sins against us, that we should be forgiving and we should show grace and we should show a humble attitude. We shouldn't go around and say, well, I deserve this or I deserve that. No, we don't deserve anything. The only reason we have eternal life, the only reason heaven is waiting is because Jesus Christ died on a cross and did it for you. You didn't do anything for yourself. And we need to understand that. So we need to live humble lives. And then gentleness. He talks about being gentle. Now, when we hear the word gentle, um, you know, one of the, it, sometimes we get the wrong impression about the word gentle. Uh, but this is talking about being a, sort of a, a person that's courteous and there's a spirit of quiet submission in their life. But this isn't describing weakness. Sometimes when we think of gentleness, we, we, we think of weakness. But you think that, think about a horse. Think about how powerful a horse is. But a horse can be tamed and it's gentle right? Think about the wind. We live in Florida. We know how bad the wind can be, especially when you give it a name, right? We, we know that the wind can be pretty bad, but you know that, that the wind can be bad, but the wind also on a hot Florida summer day when there's a tree and you can get in the shade and there's a little bit of a breeze, that gentle little breeze, pretty nice, isn't it? And see, and that's what it, see. gentleness is, doesn't mean there's a lack of power. I mean, the best example of that is Jesus Christ. Think of Jesus. Jesus came to this earth and he was God in the form of a man. I mean, he, he could, had all the power that existed. He was the very basis of power. He could do anything. He could snap his fingers or blink his eyes or think about it and make it happen. He was all-powerful. But when he came to earth, he met a woman at a well one time who had a lot of sin in her life. And he didn't yell at her and scream at her and and, and tell her she was going straight to hell. He he, he, He just came up beside her and talked to her. And he was so gentle and kind in the way that he presented what was in her life and what needed to change. And we see that all through the Bible. We see power, but we see gentleness. And that's what it's talking about here, that Christians should be gentle. We shouldn't be like a bunch of bulls in china shops. We should be a little kind and we should be gentle in the way we approach other people. Okay, now the next one I'm going to give you is going to just kill you, right? It's gonna, all of us are going to fall out of your chairs and you're going to go, oh me, we should be patient. Okay, because okay, okay. and like some of you right now are going, well, I don't have a problem with patient, but you're looking at your watches right now and going, I wish you'd hurry up because I'm hungry. Right. And see, see, and see you, so you do have a problem with patience. And so I know that you have a problem with patience. And so we all have a problem with patience. And it, but, but listen, in this context, it literally means wrath that is put far away. It's really talking about with other people. It's talking about as believers, a characteristic of our life is that we should have patience with people who don't see things the way we see them. You know, we, we should have patience. We should be gentle and kind when we talk to them about Christ. When, you know, one of the problems with Christianity today is there are a lot of people that aren't very patient. People get mad and they argue and fuss and fight and they do all these things and, and a lot of people outside of Christianity, they look at Christianity and say, th- th- those, they're not any different than we are, or than I am, and they're, they're, these people are hypocrites. They say this, but listen, that's why these things are so important and why you need to be doing a gut check as I go through these things to see how you're doing in those things, how we, in all of us, I need to do the same thing as we go through them. But we need to have Patience. And uh, it's, it's the opposite of resentment and revenge. We need to be kind and as we've already read and gentle and, and, and talk to people and, and, and that's the kind of characteristics we should have. And then it says bearing with one another. That means to hold, to hold out in spite of persecution, threat or injury. It means, to, this is the way, it means to put up with stuff. It just means to put up with stuff. It means to bear with one another. It means sometimes as Christians, when people aren't kind, we, sometimes we need to just kind of put up with it and we need to pray for them. We need to respond in gentleness and kindness. That's what we're supposed to do. Also forgiveness, which is sort of now, you know, as all these things that we've been talking about are coming together, it means to be gracious to a person, to pardon him for some wrong that's done against us. Because let me tell you something, no matter how much wrong a person has done against you, regardless of the wrong that has been committed against you, you you sinned against Christ and that was a whole lot worse than what they're doing to you. But he forgave you when you didn't deserve it. And we should be the same kind of people. We, we should be willing to forgive, even though uh, sometimes it's difficult to forgive. We should be willing to forgive uh, regardless of what's going on. We need to be the ones. We need, as a believer, because, just because we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, because we call ourselves Christians, because of that, we need to be the one that says, I'm willing to step out here and forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave me. And so we need to do that. That's a characteristic of being a Christian. And then there's the characteristic of love. Love is, in, uh, in Colossians 3.14, said, and above all these things, put on love. And love is the glue that holds everything uh, together. You know that famous verse in, 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 in the Bible, uh, verses, in, uh, in the great commandment, uh, we call it, we gave it a name. Jesus was asked one time, what are, what are, what are the greatest commandments? So this, this young man comes up to Jesus and goes, okay, we got all the commandments, we got the law, we got all these rules and all these regulations. I, just sum it up, Jesus. Give, give me the elevator pitch. I mean, what's the, what is the, the thing? What, 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 what are the, the greatest commandments? And Jesus said this, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he said this, you shall, you shall love the Lord your God. There's that word love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And he lumped those together. He says, basically it's this. He says, love. That's the greatest commandment. It's love. That's why here at Heartland, we say that we exist to, to, you know, love Jesus, love each other, and love our world. That's why we say love lives here, because the greatest commandment is love, and we want to embody that and live that out, because we need to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. And love, when you love your neighbor as yourself, then all of a sudden, you can be kind. When you love your neighbor as yourself, all of a sudden, you can be gentle. You see how it works? Love is the glue that holds all of these things together. And then the next thing that Paul says is we, he says first, he says we need to see people as God sees them. We need to change our conduct. And then he says we need to get a new heart. And, and, And listen to verse 15 through 17. He goes, and then let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. "...to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him." He says that this whole idea that we need to get a new heart, he says we, our hearts need to change. When we're a Christian, your heart should change. When you become a Christian, legitimately that happens to you and it really takes, I mean, it's a legitimate life change. Your heart should change. And here's a couple of things I wrote down. One, your heart's ruled by the peace of Christ. When you become a believer, there should be a new kind of peace that enters. All of a sudden, you know your sins are forgiven. All of a sudden, that you know that that, that God loves you and that, that, that He has saved you and He's forgiven you of your sins and so all of a sudden now, there's this peace in your life and all of a sudden, you know He's got the future in His hands and everything under control and there's a peace in your life that the Bible describes it as a peace that pastors understanding. There's a peace because you know that God is in control so there's a new peace in your life. But, but here's something interesting in verse 15, it says, it says this, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. God doesn't force his peace into your life. You have to allow it. You have to cry out for it. You have to ask him for it. But in John, he promises that he will give it to us. In John 14, 27, Jesus said it. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not the kind of peace the world gives that I, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In John 16, Jesus again said, I have, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. Now right then you should have all screamed something. In the world you will have tribulation. Okay, so, see right there you all should have said something. Okay, in the world you will have tribulation. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking about. We've all had a little tribulation. Have you had a little tribulation? You know, little trials, some trials going on? Or have you just had a perfect life and everything's just been perfect? If you have, will you please come by my office? Because i really like to know how that works, and, and there's something up, so I want to know what's going on. But it's also a heart, he goes on about your heart, and he says it's a heart rich, and this is important, with the word of Christ. He says, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in, all, in your hearts to God. This is an interesting verse. Do you know that this is the only place, this is kind of neat, this is the only place in the entire Bible where the word of God is referred to as the word of Christ. It's the only place in the Bible. But you know what Paul did by, by doing that? This is so cool. He demonstrated once again something he taught earlier in the letter. He wanted everybody to know, don't ever forget that Jesus Christ is God. They're one in the same. The word of God is the word of Christ because they're one in the same. And so Paul is, te- is, is teaching that. And he says, we're supposed to let the word of Christ or the word of God dwell in us richly. And, uh, and I'm, you know, because look at verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, and all of that is just simply to say that the word of God, the Bible, uh, you know, that we need to be letting that dwell in us richly. What is that? We, we need to be... We need to be reading it. We need to be studying it. We need to get in Bible studies. You saw the signs earlier, the women's and men's Bible study. We have heart groups, small groups where you'd be in and we, you know, know, get involved, come to church and hear the word of God preached. Get in those groups so you can discuss it with other people so that it can get inside of you and dwell in you richly and make a difference in your life. It'll help you do all the things that we're talking about today. And then he says also that our new heart should be a thankful heart. And, and he says, whatever you do in word or deed, verse 17, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This sort of wraps everything up. And this is sort of a, uh, and, um, a conclusion to all this that really is a natural outflow of everything else. I mean, if, if you begin to see other people like God sees them, if you get that right in your life, and if you allow God to change your conduct and allow God to provide his... Peace and he gives you a new heart. The natural outflow of all that is going to be a new life. It's going to be a life lived for Christ. And then Christ is going to be active and involved in your life. And as he gets active and involved in your life and you see him working in your life, a natural outflow of that is going to be you're going to thank him. You know, I thank him every day that I know that he saved me, that, that, that I know that my sins are forgiven. I know I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus, and I know that one day I get to go to be in, in heaven. You know, my mom, I, this is Mother's Day. Um, today, is my mother died in July. This is my first Mother's Day without, without my mom. And, and, you know, that's kind of a weird feeling, it, it really, in all honest, just being transparent. It's a weird feeling. It's the first Mother's Day I've not had a mom. And, and, and so, but, but you know something what's so great? I'm so thankful that I had a mom. I'm thankful that my mom was, that loved Jesus and that she put her faith and trust in him. And I know that my mom is in heaven. And I know that I am so thankful because I'm living my life for Jesus that one day I'll get to see my mom again. is that great? How about you? I bet you there's a whole bunch of you in here right now. Same exact situation, isn't it? You know, it's kind of tough today. But I want you to know that, that, that if you live this life, if you, put off, if you put off the old life like we talked about last week and you put on the new life, hey, there's a little separation for a while. But let me tell you something. This little time we spend on earth, the Bible describes it that life on earth is a mist or a or vapor that appears for just a little while. Eternity a, eternity never ever ends. And if you have, if she had a relationship with Jesus and you got a relationship with Jesus, there's a day coming where you won't be able to get rid of her. Okay, she'll be there, you're gonna to have to listen to her. So it's gonna be great, it's gonna be an awesome. Listen, what we wanna represent Christ in all we do. And we do that by seeing people as God sees them, changing our conduct and getting a new heart. Now I know I've covered a lot of ground in a, in a quick period of time. But here's the thing that I want you to see and I always want you to see, I tell you about this every single week. All these great things that we talked about today, this new life, it all begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, is to be genuine and sincere, and to cry out, to pray, and to just ask God to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life. But here's the deal, no one can pray that for you, no one can do it for you, you've got to do that. It's got to be you, you've got to say God, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. You've got to be serious. And if you're serious and genuine and you ask God to come into your life, he will. He'll send his Holy Spirit to indwell you. And all of a sudden, he'll begin to help you to understand how to live out the kind of things that we've talked about today so that you can live the kind of life that will bring God glory and advance the kingdom. Listen, if you're here today and you've never made that decision, I want to invite you to. And, I, and I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm, I'm gonna pray and help you to pray the prayer. But, but my prayer's not, you know, and my prayer's not magic because I'm the preacher guy, right? It, your prayer is the one that matters. But if that's you, and you desire a relationship with Jesus, I want you to close your eyes and pray with me right now. Just say, Christ, Jesus, I come to you right now and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness, of those things in my life that are not pleasing to you. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. And right now, in the best way I know how, I'm committing my life to you, to follow you. And I'm asking you to help me and to send your spirit to help guide me so I can become the kind of person that was described today. And God, I I thank you for that. I give you glory for that. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. In a moment we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing a song and as we sing I would encourage you if you made that decision today when we stand to slide out and just make your way to the back. There are people back there they've got lanyards on and t-shirts that say prayer team and they will pray with you talk to you answer your questions about this new journey whatever you want to do I would encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian you've been a Christian for a long time and, and maybe as I went through this list of things today you were wondering you, thing or two things popped up and you were like oh boy I'm not doing so good in that area and maybe you need to just Ask God to forgive you for that and to to help you to move forward in a better way. And maybe you need to slip out and go back and just pray with somebody as well. Or maybe you need to come up and you can see people have put prayer requests on the crosses. Maybe you just need to put a prayer request up there. I I don't know that. But I tell you what, the last two weeks have been exciting because we've learned as Christians, we've seen the things that need not to be part of our lives. And we've seen the things that do need to be part of our lives. If you'll go back and study this and if you'll make this part of your life, you can bring glory to God. You can advance his cause. You can advance his kingdom. And that's what it's all about. Stand with us now as we continue to worship.